Okay. Uh, do do improv with me. Uh, so sure. Yeah, so like, uh, yes, and me in this okay, one because I because right. I want to do a bit. Okay. Um, hey, golf buddy. Hi. Hey, welcome to the welcome to the course. We're just gonna shoot some shoot some shots, you know, in the standard golf zone. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got my clubs. You got your clubs. You ready? Yeah, I got my clubs. Sweet. You got your clubs. Awesome. I got this one. I got I got like my really long putter here. I've got a few balls. I'm ready. Oh, oh shit. Shit. Cat Caddy. Hey, hey, Caddy. Yeah. Have you seen my baby driver? Okay, that's 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 the bit. That's all I got. It's the stupidest thing. Alright, well that's the intro. <laughs> there's there's one. No, no. I'm not joking. That's the intro, including the bit where you said it's dumb. <laughs> Run it faster. Welcome to Contextual Deviance. My name is Christian Hagen. Uh, each week we discuss a particular piece of popular culture, art, in this case, movies. Uh, and uh, joining me, as always, is my dear friend and co-host, David Gucci. Oh, no. Oh, no. What monster is this that's taken over my friend? It's me. Oh. Do you have, do you have Ashley a... Simpson. Oh, no. <laughs> Ashley Simpson. Oh, buddy. Sorry. Oh. It's me. It's David. Gotcha. Oh. It's one of those classic pranks that I do. Oh, yeah, See, yeah, yeah. You know, me with those classic pranks. Yeah, we never established it on this show, but there is a canonical <laughs> history of you yeah. doing pranks that is now a part of this show. Yeah, one of my classic bits is classic pranks. Right, right. And, it, and now, as of now... It's retro- retroactively been in every episode yeah, up until now. You remember. You me, remember, right? Me, the prankster Ashley Simpson in every episode of Contextual Deviance. Yeah, everyone's favorite character. It's Prankshley Simpson. <laughs> Prankshley Simpson. Perfect. Okay. Nothing better. So no, nope. what, are, what are we doing here? Nothing but nets. Okay. Swish from Swish. downtown. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Great start. Uh, good golden yeah really revving up the engines uh speaking of revving up the engines this week's episode we are discussing the 2017 action dramedy baby driver is it a dramedy mm. is it funny there's I mean, a there fair were a amount of, of humor in it yeah i guess so the whole austin powers uh mike myers mask thing <laughs> that was is, pretty funny that's pretty funny <laughs> that- I, that joke's got some legs. Like the Halloween, like yeah, for Halloween so mask. Funny. This is a Halloween mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Halloween. Multiple, multiple levels of misunderstanding. Yeah, it's so good. It's 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 actually a really good bit. Uh, mm-hmm. clever bit, I should say. Um, try not to use one might say classic bit. Oh, well, would what would Prankshley Simpson say? <laughs> so hard to say. Prankshley Simpson, yeah, would would probably give it an eight out of ten. Oh yeah, can I hear yeah. that? Can and I hear that from Prankshley Simpson? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm 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 I'm, swi- I'm switching into the guy from inside the actor's studio yeah. whose name I'm blanking on right now. I apologize uh, for that, gentlemen. Uh, mm, um, yeah, I don't remember his name either. Let Pr- me hear a bit Chris of Isaac. Prankshley Simpson. Yeah, that's <laughs> Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. Uh Baby Driver, if you aren't aware, uh is a uh car centric uh action film uh direct written and directed by Edgar Wright, uh famous for the Cornetto trilogy, that's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, and also for Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh a cult hit that 
bombed at the box office, but has yeah, it's sex gained, bombed at the box office. Yep, but it has gained terrific life on home video. Yeah, on Blu-ray disc. I on have Blu-ray it. disc, I have it as well. It was the first mm. Blu-ray I ever got. Hey, that's a good one. It was a gift. Well, I, and I love it. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm a big fan of that yeah. movie. Um, but uh, but it was a gift. So it was a. Gift. It doesn't count. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if anybody ever tells me that I have something nice that they like, yeah, I usually try to deflect and just like, no, it was right. a gift. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, this old thing. No, literally, I do that because I've got this watch that like every. You know, I got this fucking tattoo around the same time that I got this watch. Yeah. And if I had to go through the history of compliments I've gotten for the things <laughs> that are on the same fucking arm, I've gotten compliments on my tattoo maybe 5% of the time, 95% of the time it's about my watch. I and don't I think... like the watch. I'm happy sure, with the watch, watch. But every single time I'm like, oh yeah, it was a gift. Yeah, it was a gift. But did you see my tattoo? A big part of the reason I do that, and I, I realize this is um, paranoid of me, I'm afraid that someone will be like, nice watch, and then they'll try to steal it. Oh, sure. No, that makes sense. And so I always (laughs) say it's a gift because Uh, or or not necessarily that they'd steal it, but more that they'd rob me. That they'd be like, that's a nice watch you got. You must have something about your financial status. Exactly. So Mm. I always have to specify that it was a gift from my parents. Well, you know what you should have thought about is that the thing about tattoos is that only rich people get them. Oh, no. Like. Just if you think about mm-hmm. a person with a lot of tattoos, they're usually very rich. That's true. And so you kind of said something about yourself when you got that tattoo. I do have a neck tattoo that used to say hate, but now it's his hat. So. Yeah. You got that E taken off. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a reference <laughs> to the film we're talking about. So yeah. uh, Baby Driver, uh, we will be discussing it in a series of critical contexts uh, that are chosen at random using our brand new contextual computer, which Love debuted last time to... Rave reviews. <laughs> um, uh, David, did you want? Did you have anything you wanted to say before we get started, or you want to just dive in? Uh, no, I I, I want to just drive right in. Oh, sorry, because it it's driver. a baby driver. I do want to say that this is my favorite combination of uh, animated universes. So, mm-hmm. like everybody knows, Boss Baby, big hit, big hit. Everybody loved it. Everyone cars everybody also loved so like it was really good to just see those things synergize and come together i was missing minions mm-hmm. i was i heard rumors that a minion was gonna be the baby oh driver. no there, there's a minion there's in a minion the movie. In there oh okay okay yeah yeah, yeah. i just i didn't spacey. catch it it's good it's kevin spacey kevin spacey was voiced by a minion and and much like much like the actual minions mm-hmm. very problematic and forgettable <laughs> but all over target merchandise good god ah <sighs> Yeah, Kevin Spacey. You can't you can't turn turn a dead cat in a in a target without hitting Kevin Spacey. It's you know, he's just every which away. K Packs? Forget about it. Ninety percent of t shirts have a K Packs logo on them now. It's like, man. It's like Hot Topic is all about all about nine lives. I love the idea of K-Pax making a comeback, but only in merchandise. <laughs> yeah. No one cares about the movie. No they one just even all, knows what they it's They all from. just love the They're idea. They're like, man, that one guy looks kind of like Bono looking up. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, he's got the sunglasses. K-Pax, He looks kind of like yeah. Bono, Bono looking up. <laughs> oh, and what a thing to look up. Guy who looks kind of like Bono. And I'm feeling lucky. I am K-Pax. K-Pax. This episode brought to you by K-Pax. <laughs> you might be able to find it on Blu-ray. Um, so Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. That's that's the best way to advertise a movie. I don't know. It might be coming out soon. Check it, it out. It could be on a format that you couldn't play. It did come out on VHS, I know that. Uh, yeah. Uh yeah, I saw it in theaters. Baby driver. Baby Driver, uh, yeah, the the great mashup of uh, of uh, Boss Baby and Cars and yeah. Minions, and also uh, and minions somehow a true. sequel to Taxi Driver. So it was oh, a yeah, really also true. It was a really edgy choice for the yeah. studio, but uh, hey, who could pull it off? Edgar yeah. Wright could pull it off. He always does. And Ansel Elgort, the minion of our dreams, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds kind of like a fantasy title, like a character who's the minion of my dreams. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like it either. Uh, so let's go into the context. David, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's go. Computer, what's our first context? What status quo is this movie protesting and how? Ooh. Okay. So this is the woke uh, context. Yeah. 
the woke kind. In what way is Baby Driver woke, basically, is what this question yeah. is. Yeah. Um, I would, uh, let's see, let's take a second and think about what status quo is Baby Driver trying to protest? Well, there, there's one kind of earnest one, I think. Okay. And that is the, the read of this movie, which is very, I, I think, pretty sound, uh, as far as I can tell, that that codes him autistic. Um, and says like this person is definitely on the spectrum and is just as cool and you know is this sort of differently abled person that is able to do really rad stuff you know i didn't think about that but now that you said it like the pieces are falling into place and that makes a lot of sense yeah like it's a pretty sound angle yeah and if that's the case then it's a huge flag for like hey these are just human beings. Right. Like it doesn't need to be a, a giant heavy label that destroys it or anything well, yeah. like that. It can just be, no, for sure. This is a part of this character that also functions in the world in other ways. Well, it's like the, in that case it would be sort of the inversion of that show, the good doctor where it's about oh, that, that kid yeah. who's autistic, but is also mm-hmm. like a, yeah. a, like a world. Yeah. He's surgeon a, or whatever. a savant stereotype that is actually kind of harmful to the idea of autism. Exactly. Like, yeah. Or the rather, not the idea of autism, but, the, Anybody who wants to be autistic and isn't an enormous savant feels like somehow they're not the right kind of autistic. Exactly. Which is really shitty. Yeah, exactly. Um, Whereas baby's autism isn't is like not explicit. the thing that gives him his power or right. whatever the good doctor is. It's just a part of his character. Right. And he's just a really good driver also. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not the selling point of the movie. The good doctor is like, watch an autistic right. surgeon. And yeah. it's like yeah. baby drivers like, watch a driver. Watch a driver. Who may or yeah, may not be exactly. on the spectrum. Uh-huh. Like, we don't even need to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, which is the um, right although way Although the to characters do kind of. Yeah, they do a little bit. But. But in an offensive way that I think the movie also thinks is offensive. Exactly. Like they, the words that come out of the character's mouths that are about him maybe not being normal mentally are not lines that are like, yes, this is a cool thing that yeah. a nice person says. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That Moments like that always make me think of, and this is a tangent, but what you just said reminded me of, um, you, you remember Up in the Air, the George oh, Clooney, yeah. Anna, Ken- Anna Kendrick oh, film? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a line in that movie wherein George Clooney's going through um, – going through airport security with Anna Kendrick. And he says, I always like to go behind the Japanese because they always wear those uh, slip off shoes. And Uh she says, that's racist. And he says like, it's something like I stereotype it's faster, which Uh is like, you're meant to (laughs) then read from Uh that. That's a shitty thing. This person just said, he's an asshole in the theater. I was in big laughs. Oh, big laughs. Like a guy, a guy in the next row over was like belly laugh, big laugh. And I was like, deeply uncomfortable buddy no no No. you don't i don't think mm. yeah and that's that's why those kinds of lines can be tricky yeah it's i yeah yeah yeah. that's its own conversation no totally so that's the first thing that comes to mind is sort of it's it's a way to flip the the status quo of any sort of mental problem that might be seen by society is not actually a problem but it's just like a fine way for a person to be absolutely as a part of neurodiversity here you go. Yeah. No, so that's, that's really that thoughtful. Yeah. Um, and I would say on another earnest spectrum, uh, ugh, I don't know why. I, oh man. Sorry. On another, oh, man. on another earnest. <laughs> I'm gonna try the word was in your brain. It's okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before the show. Uh, there's a, um, or before we started recording this part, I mean, uh, um, there's a, uh, <laughs> There's an argument to be made that this movie is trying to subvert a lot of gangster movie tropes. Yeah. I think especially, and I pin this on Tarantino, but I also think that because of the popularity of Tarantino's early movies, you know, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, it sort of sparked a wave of sort of like 50s nostalgia tinged modern day gangster movies with a lot of classic rock influences and like... uh, classic movie aesthetics but in a modern day setting with these really aggressive you know fucked up characters that we are supposed to be rooting for most of the time right but they're pretty messed up see the the thing that i think tarantino did well was he made those characters very flawed to the point where it's like yeah you might root for them in moments but then they do something really horrible and you're like all right well this person's not a good person yeah and Um, that's clear it's clear in that sense but they do still commit a shit ton of 
inconsequential violence. People just die. Yeah. And then it's often in Tarantino movies. This yes. Is still in Tar- right. yep. yeah, mm-hmm. in those yeah. Tarantino movies or movies that right. aped Tarantino, especially, I right. think more so yeah, than maybe. his own movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think baby driver subverts that successfully by having those sort of gangster tropes, those, those intense characters who are really shitty people. Uh, and they do commit that violence, but every act of extreme violence is met with a direct consequence. Yeah. You know, every, yeah, yeah. everyone who everyone who murders someone either dies themselves or they face some sort of repercussions for it. Yes. Uh, even the main character. We, we were talking about how crazy <laughs> it is that like yeah, this, in a movie with a shitload of gangsters, the main character kills the most evil person in the movie, arguably bats. Oh yeah. Yeah. K- kills him. Yeah. Most people are like, Oh sure. Yeah. Kind of justified by movie logic, killing that person. Exactly. The end of the but world. he does go to prison. He goes to actual prison. He goes to actual prison, which is it's amazing. Kind of insane. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense, I think I think it's more of a it's more of an artistic status quo that it's uh sort of protesting. Um mm. yeah, more so than like a societal one. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's a I think it's a potent message. And I think especially yeah. for a genre, a movie that is pitched so hard on its action sequences <laughs> uh, to have that sort of underlying motif sort of flipped on its head that way, yeah. I think is going to is going to affect a lot of viewers perceptions of what they were expecting when they were going into it. Yeah, it's a weirdly responsible action movie. It is, yeah. Like for well, being an action movie. Well, and I think that's flashy. Edgar Wright's thing. I yeah, mean, like, you watch true. Hot Fuzz, yeah. and, like, yeah. the whole movie is basically yeah. about how violence isn't the solution to problems. Yeah, yeah uh, so I think... Let's try and think of a, a dumb one, though. Well, here's what I'm sick of. Okay. All my friends around here, Minneapolis, you know, they're all, like, cool, and they're, like, going to co-ops, and they're riding bikes, and they're like, cars aren't cool, David. Man, like, grow your own yard, you know, like, farm in your house and, like, maybe grow some dreads because that's not appropriation if you're white. And then they're like, fuck cars. And I'm like, hey, baby driver says, like, no, cars fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Cars are so cool. Cars are, like, one of the coolest things that you can have. It's such a pro-car movie in an unabashed way and we need more of those yeah because god gave us oil (laughs) and why would god's gifts be bad that's my question can i take that one step further though please do not only is this movie pro car it's pro every car all because all car he'll like he'll take like an old beat up car he'll take like a fucking minivan dude that scene was great the truck like every car in this movie (laughs) is up for grabs and all of them can do insane stunts (laughs) baby driver yes all cars right that's its its hashtag it's like it doesn't matter what car you drive you can still be as cool as the baby driver as the baby as baby himself cool, cool cool baby you could be a real cool baby that's not TM, TM, TM. Yeah, we didn't steal that from anyone. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Um, yeah, so that... Yeah, <laughs> this, movie that? Is, this movie is pro every car. Yeah, which is a pretty hot take in today's anti-petroleum society. Well, and I would say it's, you know, a diversity of cars that is... That's the it's true... Refreshing. <laughs> it's, it's refreshing. Ref- honestly, it's good to see a minivan represented in not a token role. <laughs> oh, minivan representation <laughs> has been has been so poor for so long. <laughs> Um, I mean, it it has it probably. Has. Uh, like uh, you think about all the minivans in like everything ever is like ugh, a <laughs> minivan. I'm gonna be old and I'm gonna drive a minivan. <laughs> ugh. That um yeah. But this movie says, oh, you want to drive a fucking minivan? Go ahead. You're gonna wreck <laughs> shit. The last relevant minivan that I remember in a movie is in the Asylum film Transmorphers. Oh. Uh, and there was a scene where they filmed some people getting in a van and then they cut and it's the a different van with the same people driving away. It's like slightly different because clearly they filmed on a different day and couldn't rent the same car. Oh, and so it's good. just a it's a great mess. And oh. Asylum you know they're out there doing God's work. That was one of the first shitty movies I ever watched as part good. of like a shitty movie it's night. Pretty good. This this group of friends in college uh, would always get together for shitty movie Mondays, and oh, I sure. you know I always had like night classes so I could only catch parts of it. But Transmorphers I was able to catch. That was it's rough. It was exciting. Also yeah. Deathbed. 
Oh yeah, Death Bed. Uh, we Bed got a copy is... of that in. You at, did at half price. No yeah. shit. We could work about it real fast. Oh, of course. Very good. Man. Well, no, no, it's not. It's very much not. People. Have you watched it? Yeah, I have. The part where the guy reaches in and he comes out <laughs> and he's got the skeleton hands, and his reaction That's isn't me. like, "Oh no," <laughs> it's like. Ah, oh, skeleton yeah. hands. Like he's so like he's disappointed more than he is like horrified. He's he has like, the feeling that I had when I went into my fridge to get my milk and it was bad. Right. It's like, oh man, I'm out two dollars. <laughs> exactly. Like that's the feeling that he had. But he had skeleton hands, like a deep sigh, <laughs> and there's just no flesh on Not his again. hands. <laughs> Uh, Mondays, that, am I right? I'll never forget that. That's that is really funny. It's burned in my brain. I gotta watch that movie again. I mean, you don't have next to. week on Contextual Deviants. Fuck! <laughs> if there was a good way to stream it, I would one hundred percent do it. Yeah, it's true, but it's so inaccessible. It'd it's be, so hard to find for our viewers, right, our yeah. listeners. Pardon, our listeners, pardon me. Well, they're also viewers because they're watching movies. Hey, there you go. Hey, there you go. What's up? <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's see. Uh, we had uh, we had uh, autism. We've got yeah, representation. It's just sort of like a healthy, positive autism representation right. that, d- he also, that isn't like, token. Uh, in, in addition to sort of a potential mental uh, disability, is that the it, it correct be. term yeah. right now? I honestly, it depends. On There's the also a person. physical element that he's overcoming uh, throughout the whole film. The tinnitus that he's got is mm-hmm. like that, yeah, that yeah. can be really debilitating mm-hmm. for totally. people. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's also representative mm-hmm. of, yeah, that's a something. real like agonizing struggle that people have. Mm-hmm. And I, I do kind of wonder if the movie uses it responsibly. Like there's a yeah. part of me that thinks like someone with tinnitus watching this is like, it's not that easy. You can't just put in earbuds and blast music and be a rock star. Yeah. But like, you gotta wonder if that would actually make it worse. Yeah, I mean it would, right? And we're drowning out is, at least. I mean, but like, I don't think it's it's I don't think it's, it's a secret to anyone that help. earbuds are not good for your hearing, right? Um, so it's not. And then, yeah, anyway, oh, that's a good point. Um, but I mean, it does. It, that is there, and yeah. he is still not seen as a problem character, or something. right? So I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But that's one argument. That's one. Uh, the sort of. Uh, turning the overturning of uh gangster movie tropes mm-hmm. uh consequential yeah. violence is the way yeah. i prefer to refer yeah. to it um that's very uh that's very much a part of this film and then of course the i think the most <laughs> important message yeah. this movie has mm-hmm. to say is all cars matter all cars matter wow all cars matter <laughs> oh, God. Not just blue ones. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's our next context? What is our next context? Uh, computer. Yes. Unreliable narrator. Ooh, this is one of my favorites that we haven't oh, had a chance oh. to do yet. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. So in uh, this presupposes that in every story, this is sort of a, a, a classic literary criticism trope. In every story, uh, there is a point of view character. Right. Even if that person isn't explicitly named, there is someone telling this story. And so you have to assume that that person either has all of the information correct or if they are telling something untrue, that makes them an unreliable narrator. Mm. And that can that manifests itself a lot in fiction uh, in terms of people sort of telling a story that as you go along, you realize that the details just don't quite add up. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that can be intentional. Sometimes it's not. But uh, it's often, it's also occasionally very subtle. Uh, I think uh, an example of this, and I'm not saying in a positive or negative way, but an example of an unreliable narrator. 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 An example of an unreliable narrator. Narrator. An unreliable narrator. Oh, is uh oh. the movie 300 yeah in which throughout the whole thing you know it's all very fantastical and there's huge battles and these big monstrous creatures and whatever and then you realize that the movie's being told by one of the surviving spartans trying to rally these other greek troops and so he's embellishing the story to make yeah. it more exciting and rile them up mm-hmm. um and, you know, whether that works or it doesn't work, that is that is what they're going for. Yeah. And, and that's a that's a cool framing device yes. within that movie specifically, but within lots of movies. Yes. Because it gives us I mean, it's relatable because we're all sort of unreliable narrators. And when we tell our own stories, 
if you think about two friends or a married couple telling the same story and arguing about which way it actually went, memory's not good. Yeah. Like we don't actually know what happened to us in our lives. Exactly. I just sort of like assume. Yeah. So having an unreliable narrator is real fun. Yeah. So, so what this context is asking mm-hmm. is, is it possible that this movie, the entire plot of this movie, every scene is being presented to us via an unreliable narrator and as an added wrinkle i think it really only works if we try to identify who in the film that narrator right let's not make up a character that is not present and is telling this baby's child sometime deep in the future yeah (laughs) no that's Um, that's this isn't fan fiction well it is no but we're we're (laughs) trying to yeah so let's see who in the movie, and I think I have an idea on this, but uh, I want to see if you've got anything. I have a fun idea. Okay. His foster dad. Okay. How does uh, that How does that play out? I think the reason that I think that is because of the the first couple scenes that, that Baby and his foster dad, Joe, Joe. share are... Where the the dad is a little bit worried, he's a little bit concerned, uh, he's suspicious maybe of baby and what he's up to, mm-hmm. and so the the whole film is sort of like that dad's worst nightmare. Oh, like it's sort of almost it's almost his imagination of what baby is doing when baby is actually just selling drugs and selling pizzas. Okay, like, he's just out driving around a lot selling drugs so like, he's, and he's getting of it, a lot of money it's like a but, worst case scenario yeah, like this it, is the worst mm-hmm. this is the way his life is going and this is how yeah, it could this be. must be what's happening to my poor baby and then and then the uh the ending i guess in that case or when sort of he drops him off at the nursing home whatever yeah would that be what would that yeah i that that's the part maybe where well, it like where it loses a little bit but i bet, bet we can frame it but i bet I bet you could frame it in such a way that it's like he gets dropped off and it's sort of like a normal thing, mm-hmm. but he knows that like baby's still in trouble, but he like wants to think that things are going to work out. <laughs> yeah. He wants yeah, to believe okay. that all, that baby will be able to get himself out of this trouble that he doesn't mm-hmm. need. He's sort of giving himself uh, a pass from having to rescue baby sure. from his like yeah, problems. He's like, baby will yeah. help himself. Baby will figure it out. Right. He's changing his thought patterns about baby. Right. It's yeah. le- it's less like he's in danger and I need to help him and more he's in danger but I know I've raised him in such a way that he's strong enough and smart enough to get out of it himself. That even if he is in the worst case scenario that I have been imagining and dreaming about he will be okay and he will get it done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad one. It, at all. it works. Yeah. It's fun because he I mean the reason that I think that's appealing is that that character is mostly not present. Yeah. Uh the other one that seems kind of a little obvious is Baby. Sure. And we could talk about that because he's, I mean, sure. he's the protagonist and the protagonist is always the most interesting, unreliable narrator. Right. Yeah. That's, that's often. Yeah. I, the one that amazing. I was thinking of though, although I think that Joe one is actually starting to warm up to me was Deborah. <laughs> okay. And I was thinking because uh, so much of her character is built on a sort of um, wistful desire to get away, sure. uh, a, oh. a sort of a, 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 a dissatisfaction with her life. Yeah. Um, her, you know, most of her family's gone. Um, <clears throat> she is working this dead end job that she doesn't care for. Yeah. Um, and she just, you know, keeps talking about wanting to get away, wanting to whatever. And so she meets this guy who is sort of mysterious to her. Mm-hmm. Um, seems kind of cute, kind of fun, but weird. But she, she gets the sense that something's off about him. Yeah. And so she sort of dreams up this sort of scenario of him being this big gangster. Uh, or Super like flashy and being cool. a part, but also being like a good guy. Yep. Like he yep. does, he's the good guy. He does the these dangerous uh-huh. things, but he's doing it for the right reasons, which is yeah. he's being forced to do bad things. He doesn't <laughs> want to do them. And then, so and when she cast the villain perfectly too, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, you know, there's nobody. K Pax. K Pax to you. K Pax um, to you. Um, he. Uh, so she imagines him being this sort of like noble gangster noble thief sort of type Mm -hmm. and so when they eventually do um run away from the cops and he and they get caught and he gets arrested and sent to prison 
her imagination is saying she's justifying being with him still or waiting for him to get out because he is this Mm. sort of like noble very talented like right like in her character sort of extrapolation from the fairly limited interactions that they've had yeah like she's very smitten with him and she's choosing to stick with him even through his vast legal Mm -hmm. problems yeah uh because she has built up uh, an image of him as a heroic character sure and i think uh man yeah that was also more of a bummer but it is a huge bummer i mean that's like a twist at the end that's like oh my god like something that's sort of inherent with the unreliable narrator is that usually near the climax or post climax as an m night Shyamalan twist you learn that the truth you learn mm-hmm. sort of the you get an objective lens for even just a moment mm-hmm. and you realize oh shit yeah he was dead the whole time you know i mean right. it's it's that sort or, of, or even sometimes like, in some cases it's like it's left ambiguous but you can tell that something mm-hmm. was wrong you're just not sure exactly right. and which then it's it up on. to you to sort of dissect and like you know parse all the evidence and yep. figure out exactly i think the social network think. is a good example of that yeah that's a great example yeah because it uh, he aaron sorkin when he talked about the social network was specifically talking about how he he drew sort of the structure from rashomon the akira kurosawa oh, film yeah. wherein if you haven't seen rashomon uh it's about a, a murder that happened uh or was it a it was a murder. Yeah. It was like a robbery. I don't exactly remember. Somebody Someone died. Someone died. Yeah, that's the and important so thing. And so the people died. who lived, they're all telling different versions of the same story to try and exonerate themselves and sort of like give a different series of events. But in Rashomon, they then communicate with a ghost who tells <laughs> right. who tells what we're yeah. to believe is yeah. the true mm-hmm. sequence of events. Right. It's like the movie Clue with Tim Curry. <laughs> kind of, yes. <laughs> but in so in... Uh, in the social network, you get the same sort of like perspectives. If you're, if you're tracking the movie carefully, the framing devices of these sort of like legal proceedings where they're giving their depositions about what happened is how we go through the story of what these characters did and how they perceive each other. But we don't get that definitive version that you get in Rashomon. So it's, it's like you have to assume that everything is somewhat embellished, but you're not quite sure. You're not quite sure where the the truth lies, which is awesome. Yeah. And especially in the legal movie like that. Yeah. It's cool to not be able to like, for the movie to not be able to pick a side. I think it's a big thing in like legal thrillers and also in uh, horror movies. Mm. You see that a lot of the sort of like, is it real? Is it all in his head? Is it like, that kind of thing you see a lot. I think that's an extension of the unreliable narrator. Yeah, yeah. Um, the concept- Your own psychology and whether or not you're hallucinating yep. is an unreliable narrator. Sure. Yep. Sure. Um, yep. But so, uh, yeah, and I think applying that logic to other films usually just ends up making them sad. I think so. And yeah. l- except for, I mean, I don't know. The Joe one is like fine. It's just him sort of being scared, but then ultimately maybe being happy. So like, maybe, that's not terrible. Yeah. One thing that I think is really juicy about the Deborah idea if Deborah is our unreliable narrator, then I think she's, I think she's actually projecting a lot. And I don't know if this holds up super well. I'd have to rewatch the movie in this context to see if I could make this work, which is the whole but, point, which is the whole this point. Is the whole is I want to go point. back to it and, and think about the scene where baby pretends to not know her and how yeah. devastating that is because maybe oh, it's yeah. actually that baby's just a kind of a dick exactly that's negging her yes and so she's just uh, but she's like no, no no he can't do it in front of his friends because he's worried about me oh my god but he's just being an asshole no, you're 100 like, right and that that's, would totally fit and that sucks yeah. like that's the saddest thing because that's way too close to home with the female experience oh like, for sure that sucks oh man but it also works if deborah's our unreliable narrator like that is that's on point yeah Man, woof, nasty. <laughs> it's it's gross. <laughs> nasty. It's a bummer. But uh, yeah, I hey. think I, I think unreliable narrators typically either aggrandize um, yeah. or um, downplay. So it's like either they they right. talk up a big game about something, or they yeah. they sort of try and sweep under the rug something that they did that was terrible, or someone <laughs> someone else did that was really right. bad. <clears throat> um, Those are good. I think between Joe and Deborah, we've got a couple uh, really good unreliable narrator yeah. possibilities. Those are both surprisingly compelling. Yeah, I'm actually. I think the next time I watch this movie, I might try it out. Try it out. I See mean, which one of those holds more water. Yeah, 
I mean, because I bet there are. I mean, there there are scenes that will be stretches. Yeah, either oh, of way. course. Because we're doing it post watch instead of pre watch, yeah. and then testing it. So like, oh, I think a lot of times that's right. a lot of these contexts work better on rewatch. Sure. Uh, like it's hard. It's hard for me to say like watch this movie and imagine that Deborah's making the whole thing up, <laughs> and you're gonna be yeah. like, who's Deborah and why? Um, <laughs> right, right. But like on yeah. rewatch, you could be like, yeah, oh, that's interesting. Especially because you're not paying as much attention to the plot, and you're not like riding along you're not on the edge of your seat wondering what will happen yep you are off the ride looking at it going oh yeah i remember when this happened i wonder if that could have influenced this yeah well i especially think with like as much as i love doing the context that we have on this show a lot of them would really fuck up your experience of watching a movie (laughs) yeah it's better Uh, to watch it first just for fun it's fun talking about it after the fact but it's i think it's a better idea to watch a movie if someone uh, introduces a context for you to watch it ideally it would be one that would be like general enough or like it, it would it, or it just appreciative it appreciative. should be like hey watch for this because it's really cool yeah and you might not think to watch for that right if you were just going in blind trying to experience it or like yeah. the sort of thing like if you like this you might like this is sure. the context yeah. that is is presupposing yeah. the audience you know it's like true i presuppose that you enjoy this other thing and I think that will enable, like, that speaks to your ability to enjoy this thing. Hey, let's do another context. Let's do it. Computer, let's keep going. Let's keep this train a rolling. It's not a movie about trains. Superlatives, who won, who lost, and why. Oh, yeah. Hey. Took over the winners and losers and changed it into sort of superlatives. So we're going to yeah, break it into categories because that's yes. kind of what we did no, last time it's with more the Matrix. Fun. It's definitely more fun. Yeah, listeners of our uh, frequent listeners will remember in the Matrix episode, we kind of had to wing it with this context. Um, so let's think of some categories and who won and lost for these particular mm-hmm. things. Let's start. Let's do some of the ones we did in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, actually, fun. fashion. Hair, I think. Hair, hair specifically. Hair. Oh, um, I, I, I really like Buddy's hair. Yeah, I mean, like John, John Hamm's hair in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's great. See, I was actually thinking great. about this today. Is that a fashy haircut at this point? Ooh. And, and I say that because yeah. so many haircuts that are now labeled as like fascist, uh-huh. it pisses me off because it's like, because it's like, I, that's I, good that ass hair. It's a good haircut. Yeah. I wish I could pull that haircut off. And it's like, I can't now because nope. people are going to think Can't I'm an Aryan. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you don't want that. You know what? No. It's good to not look like you want people to think you're an Aryan. <laughs> right. You, it's, it's good. It's, it's a good bad not to be identified look. as a member of the alt-right. Yeah. But I think just in terms of an aesthetically pleasing haircut, I think his is oh, like yeah. it's phenomenal. Sharp. And I just think John Hamm is an attractive person. And so like he's okay. got a good jaw. He's got a good brow. He's mm-hmm. got good hair. He just What else is good it. about him? He's got a great personality. Like he's got a, he's got the whole package, really. Speaking I, of package, have you seen his dick? Yes, I have. It's great. <laughs> Eight out of ten. <laughs> What would what would what inches, would frankly 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 Simpson is indifferent to his dick indifferent yeah could I hear that from I think it's okay okay thank you Prankly it's me oh. Prankly oh I didn't expect her to stick around oh she's sticky oh no she's so sticky I'm so sticky no it's me why is she so sticky I don't know oh no bye okay good oh thank God she's gone. <laughs> She went back into that weird closet that I have in this room. <laughs> I never realized what was in there until she emerged. And yeah. Well, you know? well, you'd think you would have opened it at some point, but I can understand <laughs> yeah. it's spooky looking. See, the thing is, I mean, this is kind of a harkens back to our to our Men in Black episode. I feel like I have opened it many times, but oh. I forget what's in there every time I open it. Do you think Prankshley Simpson is neuralizing you? I think she's probably been on other episodes of Contextual <laughs> TV, and we just somehow edited her out. Oh, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, she wow. told us to probably. It's like we said the reverse canon. She's yeah. been in every episode. She's probably so not going to be in this one. No. Oh my god. <laughs> Shit. Oh. This is terrible. We better we better hide these files. I'm from not actually looking in that closet ever oh, again. Oh god. <laughs> viewers, <laughs> viewers. Damn it, listeners. No, let's just call them viewers. <laughs> from now, our fans are called viewers. Yeah. That's it's canon now. Is Lots it? of things okay, are canon cool. now. We're establishing yeah. a canon. Yep. Uh, very yeah. early. <laughs> very. Hey, it's worth it. You yeah. gotta. You gotta. Okay. You gotta so get anyway. Into it. Anyway, let's talk about uh, superlatives. Hair. hair. We were on hair. Who else is who, who, who had loses? bad hair? Uh, arms dealer. Which one? Uh, the little guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, his hair was pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. Yeah, not into that. No, at not all. super great. No. Uh, um, I mean, K-Pax didn't have great hair. 
Because it was just boring. All right, it's just fucking his normal hair. Yeah, yeah, it was just his normal um, hair, which I don't like. The guy so who played uh, the guy who played GD, mm-hmm. the gangster who was yeah. killed and stuffed in the trunk. Yep, I liked his hair. It was sharp. Yeah, had a good. Uh, it was simple. Simple but sharp. Uh huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Jamie Foxx, of course, had very little <laughs> very to no little. hair, mm-hmm. which was a good choice. It was, it was the it was it was a good character a fair choice. choice. But you I would say that puts him in middle of the road. Yeah, right. He made right. a good choice, like but neutral. his hair didn't. Yeah, he's the, he's the neutral. He didn't. He didn't win. He didn't lose. <laughs> but he he came close to bronze. <laughs> well, let's think. What what award? What award would we say? Would we say bats? AKA Jamie Foxx, mm-hmm. AKA Ray Charles, actually yeah. won. What would you say he was? What was his superlative? I think be? he wins. Well, it's him or Buddy that win the unpredictability award. Okay, uh, and that is like especially that diner scene. Yeah, you just like I just never knew what he was gonna do, mm-hmm. whose side he was gonna be on, what he was gonna say. Right, he really was like a loose cannon. Yeah, and in almost every way. Well, and part of what I love about part of what. I don't know if I want to say I love it. Part of mm-hmm. part of this movie <laughs> is that pretty much all the gangster characters spend a fair amount of their energies trying to out crazy each other. Yeah. And That's it's true. It's corny sometimes. Yeah. But I think I think there's a reasonable case to be made that Jamie Foxx out crazies everybody yeah. else. And there's a case to be made that it was that they were competing to win the award of oh, 100%. least predictable gangster. In, in that diner scene, there's that whole uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, darling slash Monica slash uh, Elsa Gonzalez character. <laughs> Uh, gave gave that whole speech about how like how crazy Buddy mm-hmm. was and yeah, how like yeah and it's like it's literally that They're it's like, literally her trying to man. say like yo you think you're crazy check out <laughs> yeah. him it's like yeah. all right and on the other end of that spectrum I think the loser of unpredictability or perhaps the winner in predictability is Deborah because yeah. she's she is the most straightforward that's, basic that's person that's which true. is unfortunate Pre- but, yeah you know. pretty much the only time she does anything that I didn't see coming or that anyone in the film wouldn't have seen coming sure. is when she takes that crowbar and hits. Yeah, that's true. John and that was, that was nice. So maybe, maybe she's not, but like, but most, still everyone but, else is kind of uh, just like doing their thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. so there's that. Uh, yeah. um, a, hmm. so I also think who had the best tattoos. There were a lot of tattoos oh, in this movie. Oh no. I mean, the hat is great. The hat's great. <laughs> that's great. Hats, who, everyone loves I hats. Love, everyone loves hats. That's, that's a fantastic <laughs> tattoo. Um, bats had a bunch of bats. Yep. That's fun. Um, you know. I, I did like uh, Buddy and, uh, and, uh, and Darling's his and her tattoos on their necks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, subtle, but very effective. Mm-hmm, but very cool. I really loved the back piece that Baby had that was just Calvin peeing on Calvin peeing on a car. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah, because he's so pro-car yeah, that he's if so Calvin ha- were peeing on a car, he yeah. would want to pee he on would, Calvin. The, the true Calvin is the, the Calvin true, that pees on the Calvin. The true Calvin. The, but who Calvin's the pee Calvin? I don't think this is a joke. <laughs> who, who Calvin's the Calvin <laughs> himself? Who pees on the pee Calvin? That's the real question. Those are the heroes that we deserve. The Calvins that have the courage to pee on the Calvins. Qui Calvin Stodius Calvin Stis Est. <laughs> Anyone who knows Latin heard that and wanted to murder me. Murder you or thank you for that great joke you made. Maybe. Who's to say? Probably they in Latin. Yeah. So the Calvin one was good. Yeah. Calvin <laughs> that, that five minute tattoo. slow zoom on yeah, that Calvin tattoo. They really got into really, it. I mean, the music sync in that five minute zoom was great because, you know, it was photographed by Nickelback yeah, as yeah, yeah. it zoomed in. But, you know. Maybe I, the best music cue in the movie. Probably. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Maybe that that's not one of our superlatives, though. No, so, no, that's um, true. Ah, that's true. Yeah, unfortunately. Right. So, winners and losers. Uh, music winner is seventies soul music. Yeah. Well, actually, I have a specific music winner, which would be oh, okay. uh, "Focus" by Hocus Pocus. Mm. Uh, or no, wait, it was "Hocus Pocus" by Focus. Wait, really? I honestly, I don't know. So, I believe you either way. I, I, I know what song you're talking about, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. don't actually know what it's in called. that in like that last chase sequence. Yeah. I just like the way the the gunshots line up with it and everything too. It's just yeah. like that was a very intricate <sighs> sequence. I just I really like the the moments the m- music winner that one is 
up there. Yeah. Tequila is close. Yeah, that's also pretty true. Because that was just such a fun moment in the movie. Well, and then the opening drive yeah, chase true. sequence, yeah. of course, has a lot. There are a lot of it. music winners. I don't even know if there is one, but maybe Focus or Hocus Pocus, depending on what that's I, I think it's Hocus called. Pocus by Focus. Okay, cool. The music loser is definitely uh, Help Me Out Again. What's the name of that <laughs> fucking song that John Hamm plays when he's about to kill Baby in the car? Oh, Brighton Rock. Thank you. God yeah. damn it. It's a good song, yeah. but, but we were talking about this yeah. before the show. They don't let it. Nope. play long enough it gets an intro barely and then there's too much car sound and too much explosion sound in the mix and the song doesn't get to be itself right it just cuts off the way many other songs in the movie do get to be themselves yep. and get to have a scene basically yep. that song should have and it didn't it is the music loser of baby driver yeah i think that's totally fair sorry um sorry p sorry uh let's see uh who was the grossest character in this movie a good question i think i i think i i think i have a good candidate i don't i don't, I don't know if i do there weren't that many gross people well the cook at the diner oh <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mostly just wanted to talk about that character <laughs> that this character was, rules <laughs> this, this is my introduction to to the cook at the diner yeah because let's talk about the cook oh, we need man. to talk about cooking we need to talk about cooking that's my new I don't know. That's my new uh cooking show. <laughs> that's a parody of we need to talk about Kevin yeah. starring Tilda Swinton. The Not thing, the book, the movie. The thing we've all been waiting for. <laughs> you asked for it, America. We need to talk about cooking. You asked for it, Canada. Um <laughs> Juno, Alaska. You specifically asked for this. Um, don't try to deny it. Uh yeah, the um, cook is pretty nasty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't actually have any other characters. <laughs> no, I, I, I just think, really wanted to talk I mean, about honestly, how gross mo- that character was. I mean, honestly, most of the people in this movie are like, I mean, you could you could argue that Buddy and Darling are kind of gross because of the PDA, if yeah. that's not your thing. Flea's I don't want to shame Flea's them. kind of gross. Yeah, that's true. Flea gets nasty a little bit. Flea gets a little nasty. Yeah, Flea gets a little nasty. I um, mean, and the arms dealer, again, <laughs> kind of nasty. Oh, I'm going to bring dealer. him up quite a few times. Yeah. He was a slimy little guy. Well, but okay, here we go. Let's give here him Let's give him some do. Where some does he fall on the best dress list? Oh, number one, baby. Because I thought that suit was very <laughs> yeah. crisp. Uh huh. It was a pretty nice suit. Yeah, it was a pretty. But there are a lot of good jackets in this movie. Oh, this is movie's the jackets. Thing. I, mean, I think we, we could even declare a jacket winner. Yeah, yeah, and yeah no, one hundred percent. Okay, let's do jackets. Yeah. Um, shit, that's hard. I know. Because all right, let me list some jackets that I really liked. <laughs> I liked bats. I liked like, Bats's red jacket. Yeah, I, that was yeah. fucking great. He's. A, I think he might win for me. I liked Ansel Elgort's uh, Han Solo jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yep. And uh, and Ryan Gosling's scorpion jacket from Drive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, was... that was a great cameo. Um, oh my God! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Who would win? Oh, who would oh, win in a race? Oh, oh, oh baby, shit. or the driver from Drive? Oh my God! Yeah, that's the movie we deserve. That is, we the, need it. Oh, I want we that so it. bad now. We need it. All right. Uh, um. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I feel like Baby would probably win that race. Baby seems more talented. But Baby if wouldn't were, win the they kill each other at the end fight, though. Yes. Oh, for sure he would lose. <laughs> but also, uh, if it's more of an aggressive, like, everyone... Like, if it's like a murder... If it's a death race, uh, I go with the driver. Yeah. yeah. If it's a speed yeah. race, I go with Baby. Oh, yeah, Baby. Or an obstacle race, Baby. Yeah, that would be tight, though, because... Yeah. Because yeah, the driver did did have good. some pretty good moves. He did have some good moves, but I don't think he had baby level moves. No. Does no. baby get his iPod? Because if so, done deal. That's a good question. They both, by yeah. the way, need to have their music. Yeah, that's true. They both do. Are these the same? Is this movie Drive? Okay. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> it might be Drive. Heavily features jackets, music, drivers, people that don't talk a lot. It's pretty much Drive. Yeah. Drivers who don't talk a lot. I mean, that is like a yeah, character point for a, both of them uh, in both movies. Yeah, they discuss it. Uh, he, it comes uh, up. Oh man. Oh well. It's. I mean, it's not. It's. Oh, it's drive. If you wanted to have a good time instead yeah. of a really <laughs> shitty time where Oscar Isaac dies. Damn it's, it. Uh, it's drive. If, yeah, it's drive. If it wasn't a gruesome bummer. Yeah, and, uh, here's not to say that. Not to say anything bad about Drive because no, I've no, watched no. that movie about a dozen times. Well, okay, I've watched mm-hmm. that movie like four times, and I will continue yeah. to do so. A real human in being the future. and a real hero. And a real hero. Can I tell you my one of my favorite driving stories of my own? And then we <laughs> can share driving stories, because you don't drive. You don't drive. Perfect. 
Uh, so we were, uh, Asia and I were on a road trip. We drove yeah. up and down the Pacific Coast Highway. And at one point uh, during one stretch, I said, all right, when it gets to sunset, I want to find an area with some cliffs and drive along it. And you, I'm going to, yes. I'm going to put on my sunglasses in Asia. I'm going to point to oh, you. You're no. going to turn on the drive soundtrack and we're just going to oh. fucking go. And it happened. That's so good. The sun was coming down over the fucking, over the ocean, over the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> and we were driving along some cliffs on the Pacific Coast Highway. I put on my sunglasses, pointed to Asia. Music started playing. Mm. Never felt so cool in my life. I have a driving story for you. Yes. So this one time I was working for these criminals and I was sitting outside of a bank and I had my iPod David. and you know, I, David. you know, me driving those cars, you know, I got to have my tunes. So I like plip, plip on the tunes and I just start tapping that steering wheel and I'm going to town and it's great, man. What a great driving moment that was. I didn't actually drive that day. I got arrested. I spent 10 years in jail. Oh, but that I'm explains back. where that ten years went canonically. Yeah, canonically. This the, podcast was on hold for ten years. That canonical <laughs> the canonical ten year gap. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> was clamoring. Everyone's been asking about it. What happened there? Where did it go? It was like the who shot Mr. Burns of this show. That's my fun joke because I don't actually drive. So right. I don't so the winner of the driving story category goes to Christian. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um I will say uh Man, that... Are there any other categories that we want to talk about? I don't know. That was man. a fun little rabbit hole that we went down. God, th- that, though, I love thinking about that. <laughs> that's my that's my Kirk and Picard. That's my... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's my Star Wars Star mm-hmm. Trek is his baby driver. His and baby tr- and the driver. <laughs> Who... Oh, man, imagine them working together. Oh, Unstoppable. Unstoppable. They could probably... Tra- oh, and the train from Unstoppable. <laughs> um... <laughs> And the bus from Speed. <laughs> so one of them drives the train from Unstoppable. One of them drives the bus from well, Speed. Well, we've already got and a problem. And one of them is Transporter. <laughs> Played by K-Pax. There's so many problems with what we just said. So many problems. One of them is Transporter. One of them is in train spotting. One of them is the train from Unstoppable. <laughs> and one of them is Bruce Willis from Unbreakable. So we got unstoppable, unbreakable, train spotting, train And one of them is Bruce Willis and Armageddon. <laughs> Wait, can we come up with a way to write a script that is called Unbreakable, Unstoppable, Transporter, Train, tran- train Spotting, Transporter? Yes. Can we? I mean, physically, it's possible for anyone <laughs> to do that. Whether we should, whether we should is yeah, a question. We never stop to think if we should. Philosophers will be asking that until the end <laughs> of time. Jurassic Park 5. This time, these two dudes wrote a really stupid script all for a joke. I mean, it couldn't be worse than Jurassic World. Oh, God. It really couldn't. What a bad movie. Anyway, this is not a hurt trash jurassic yes, world we don't like cast. we don't like trashing no. movies on here we may watch jurassic really world sometime who's to say I, I hope we don't i hope we don't to be fair i don't think there's a lot of meat on those bones also yeah that's funny because they hey, eat a lot of meat uh also considering you and i are the ones who decide what we watch on this and <laughs> yeah. neither one of us wants to i'm nah. pretty sure we're fine <laughs> um of course, I say that, and then sometime in the future, I'll be like, hey, yep. someone tell us what to watch, and they'll be and like, Jurassic World. And everyone like, will say Jurassic World, oh, because man. we just said we don't want to watch Shit, Jurassic World. I didn't World. think about that. It's okay. You know what? Anything for fan engagement. <laughs> By the way, I'm getting engaged to one of our fans. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Asia. Anything for the show. Sorry, Asia. Gotta get those hits. Gotta get those hits. Mm. Um Okay, so those were some superlatives. Those were some superlatives. Hey, we did technically do the context. We did them. Bam! Thanks, Edgar Wright, for making this movie so we could watch it and talk about it on this podcast. Aw, what a great way to wrap it up. I love Edgar Wright. David, I think we have solved all movies. Yeah, you know. No, wait, sorry. Let me roll that back. Uh, David, I think we we talked about Baby Driver in a bunch of different contexts. You're so right. I think you're right. We did. Let's run down some of the ones we did without numbering them. We talked about... (laughs) That's good. We did uh, unreliable narrators. We did. That was uh, very. That was one of. That them. was surprising. Yeah. Uh, there was. Um, we did superlatives. Who superlatives, won? And who lost? Winners and losers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, we talked about uh, status quo. What the yeah. status quos were? Anti car agenda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm feeling way more pro car though after watching this movie. 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna go buy one. Yeah, pro all cars. Like I'm just gonna buy one and drive in reverse under some trucks and stuff. Like, yeah, just to be cool, you know. Yeah, that and you know what? Totally safe. Um, yeah. Can I ask you a question? Do you have a driver's license? I do. Okay. I'm not lying. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did, this I, is my character, Lion Guy. Oh. Now are you lying though? You don't know how it's spelled. It could be L I O N guy. Oh, Rawr. like Lion O from the Thundercats. Uh, Lion guy. <laughs> uh, real quick before we wrap up, I wanted to introduce a new segment that uh, we were talking about. Uh, quick texts. Quick texts. Uh, where we uh, take a second to to give a context that we think would be good for anyone watching this movie for the first time. And uh, obviously, since we just talked about this movie at length, we're guessing you probably already watched it. Yeah. Uh, going forward, we want to include this segment in the special, the mini deviation episodes that we do in between the main episodes, uh, which is also when we announce the movie. So if you're curious uh, and want to watch a movie in advance of us recording this, check out the deviations. We uh, tell you what movies we want to watch or we're going to watch. And now we are going to be introducing these quick texts, as we're calling them, uh, which might give you an indication if it's a movie you've never seen before or if you're going to be showing it to someone else and you want to describe it or, or give them some preparation. Try uh, watching those movies through one of our quick texts. For Baby Driver, if you are going to be showing this to someone for the first time, I would recommend watching it in terms of uh, what we discussed before about um, uh, consequential violence. I think uh, the the concept that um, a, a movie genre that is filled with violent people and violent and uh, a violent society and the idea that there is this sort of underbelly where everyone it's almost like the Wild West mm-hmm. having that trope that genre so prevalent in our culture uh, but now seeing it through a lens of every time someone in that world does the thing that we're used to them doing in these movies, mm-hmm. there is a, there is a blowback. There is a result. And that does include prison time. Yeah. <laughs> like it is like, it's a movie that features a lot of the same ideas that you'll see in other movies, but in a way that maybe is a little bit more true to life and a little bit more moral, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. So that, that I think is a good way to watch this movie. Obviously I just, did a sort of longer rambling version. Hopefully in the future we'll go, we'll go shorter <laughs> shit. Well, that's okay. I'll try to keep mine even shorter. My quick text for baby driver is music sync. Uh, watch it and keep an eye out. Of course it's hard not to, but watch it with the understanding of how the music interplays with the action. Uh, gunshots, car door slams anything dialogue yeah dialogue even mm-hmm. it's all there it's all lined up or it's not all lined it's up. very rhythmic but it's it's a rhythmic movie even when music isn't playing mm-hmm. which is awesome so if you were ever to sort of pay attention to audio cues and whether they have rhythm this is the movie to do that yeah absolutely i agree thanks well, David, it's been another successful contextual deviance. Uh, did you have anything you would like to plug? Yeah. I am on a podcast. It's called Hypotheticast. It airs every Wednesday, same as the show, for fun. If you want to have fun, tune in. Okay. At Hypotheticast on Twitter, Facebook, and you can email it at hypotheticast at gmail.com. Do it. Excellent. Because it's fun, man. We just like have a good time. We talk about imagination. Lots of great questions and yeah. goofy bits and yeah. f- good friends Some hanging out. Serious shit. Yeah. We really get to the bottom of it. Get get to the yeah. meat. To the butt. To the, to to the, right to the butt of it. Get to right to the butt meat. Yeah. Why is it the bottom of it when you're talking about something serious, but the butt of the joke when you're like unfortunate? Why? Uh, That's my question uh, this week on the hypothetical. <laughs> Okay, that'll be a great episode. Um, uh, and I uh, I know I've got the sort of ending spiel uh, at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. but I real quick wanted to uh, give another shout out to our friends, The Badman, yes. uh, makers of our uh, the song Gun Tonic, which we use for our theme here. They've got a new song out, and yeah. I believe they're working on another album. 
Uh, if you get a chance to see them live, I highly recommend it. Oh. They've been, they've only been around for, they haven't been around very long, but like they've been two years. They've maybe? been developing a huge profile like yeah. around town, and it, it's easy to see why. If you see them live, they put on one of the most ecstatic <laughs> shows you're gonna see yeah. uh, around town. So I highly recommend checking them out if you can. And in the meantime, David, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with this week? Why does the chemical representative decrease the shame? Thank you for listening to Contextual Deviance. You can find more information about us online at our website, contextualdeviance.wordpress.com. You can tweet at us at textdeviance. You can email us at contextualdeviance at gmail.com. Thanks to Minneapolis's own The Badman for the use of their song Gun Tonic off the album Ain't Clean. This has been Contextual Deviance. My name is Christian Hagen, and have a nice day. Have a nice day!